time of grace, which is a ministry all about connecting people to God's grace, to God's love, to God's glory and his power, gave some dude named C.L. Whiteside a podcast, a podcast called The Non-Microwave Truth. And the podcast is geared towards looking at life from a different perspective, from a biblical perspective, while comparing it to the culture's truth that we live in today. And that is what this podcast is all about. I can guarantee you this. The Bible is still relevant. God is still good. And it's time to get into our first world problem today. With Mother's Day just passing, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Special shout out to my mom, the woman who raised me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with me. But I got to thinking and I got to thinking about childbirth. And this is going to bring us to our first world problem. And what I'm thinking is if Eve didn't sin or she didn't sin first, would childbirth, would it hurt like that? And I started to make our first world problem question this. Is childbirth more painful than a sprained ankle? My man Charles Barkley said that. I think that's stupid. And it's ironic because I sat next to a bunch of women at lunch this past week, former athletes, or I should say still athletes, and they all confirmed childbirth definitely hurts more than a sprained ankle. I think that's kind of even disrespectful to insinuate or ask, right? And then I thought about if Eve didn't sin first, would she still be the one to bear children? And just looking at that, that's dumb too, because God definitely designed or the anatomy of the man and the woman are different. And a woman was designed to carry a baby. Even before sin, this was the design. And in 2022, I'm just going to leave that that comment there. But the first world problem question is this. If Eve didn't sin with childbirth, would it hurt like that? And some of you are like, how do you even know sin is the reason why childbirth hurts? And that's because in Genesis 3 verse 16, it tells us to the woman, God said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. So I started thinking like, what would childbirth look like if Eve didn't sin. Would women even need to carry a baby around for nine months? Would women's hormones be all over the place? And this is what women have told me. I'm not just yeah making this up. And some men have told me, but yes, women have told me their hormones have been all over the place with carrying a baby. Would women get nauseous and have the vomiting and have like that morning sickness? I would like to say no if they were sinless or she was sinless. But the one that I really have a question about is, would it be nine months to carry a baby? And like how much would their bodies actually change if they were sinless? And I'm just more thankful for my mom because she had to push me out and I have like a peanut head. So I wonder did that add any complications or anything to it? But I would love to hear what you think. Let me know on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife 23 And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Dear Mama. With Mother's Day just passing on Sunday, I thought it'd be a good idea to look at some different moms in the Bible because there are some things that we definitely can learn from them. You don't even have to be a mom 
to have some big takeaways and some, some cool points that we're going to actually look at today in the Bible. I want to compare two mothers in the Old Testament. And one of those mothers is Sarai, a.k.a. Sarah. She got her name changed later on throughout her life. And Moses's mom. And I say or want to draw the comparison between these two because both of these women, their motherhood allowed them to be very impactful or influential based off the children they had and the grandchildren that they ended up having. And Sarah, I, a.k.a. Sarah and Moses's mom, how they handle different obstacles and different challenges is very different. And I think we have to take note of that. I think it's worth taking note of. And the first thing that I want to point out about Sarah, I, a.k.a. Sarah, is that she had a very good life. Like Abraham, Abram, he was rich. He was wealthy. He was in a good place. But one of the first things that I noticed when, when looking at these women and looking at Sarah is that people will want you to deny or lie about who you are in order to make themselves feel safe. I'll say that again. People will want you to deny or lie about who you are in order to make them feel safe. And I'm going to give you a couple examples of what I mean and how that applies to us today. You might be at a job and people will tell you like, hey, don't tell others about you being a Christian because that's the type of thing that will hold you back. And people at this job, they don't want to hear that. Or you could be really, really smart and everything, but some people don't like that and they'll get intimidated. So you feel like you don't need to be yourself because you want to protect that person. Or I've heard things like, um, a woman says, hey, make sure you don't dress up for my birthday because this is my birthday and I want to be the center of attraction because they're really good looking. So they want the other person to dress bad because it's that person's birthday and they don't want to show her up. And the thing that, that I want to point out first is you should never try to shun your radiance from God to make someone else feel more comfortable. Like you don't have to try to show them up, but you definitely shouldn't shun who you are. And. In Genesis 12, this is where I get at about Sarah had to lie about who she was. I'll, I'll go back and forth between calling her Sarah I and Sarah, by the way. So I don't want to confuse you with that. But Abraham had to go. I'll also confuse or I'll also mix up Abram and Abraham. Abram had to leave the place that they were living. That's Sarah I's husband because there was a famine and he decides to go to Egypt. And when he goes to Egypt, he comes up with this idea like, you know what, babe? You so fine. You like you are gorgeous. You are beautiful. And you know what? I think the Egyptians are going to want to take you and kill me. So, you know what? I'm going to tell them you're my sister. That's a good idea, isn't it? And she went along with it. And when they get to Egypt, she really was that beautiful where the officials are like, "Ooh, we, we found somebody cold. We got to take her to Pharaoh. So they praised her to Pharaoh. And then she got taken to him to be in his palace. And they did leave Abraham or Abram, I should say, alone. But all of a sudden, the Lord inflicted some diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife. So Pharaoh is like, Abram, like, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife, man? Like, why didn't you say this? Why did you tell me she was your sister? And this is in Genesis chapter 12, if you want to read the rest of it. But I was just thinking about this. And it's like, if God already promised Abram and Sarai, that they were going to be a great nation, they should have realized like they couldn't die in this situation. They should have been thinking, we can't be touched. Like we haven't had any kids yet. So God's got us like our God has got us. 
But how many times do we get to overthinking stuff like that? And then we give ourselves reasons to be wrong and to deny or lie about who we are because we want to make someone else feel safe or comfortable. And Sarah, I, in this situation, she wanted to make Abram feel safe or comfortable when she should have been letting her light shine and been walking around like a baddie. Like, yes, that's my husband. Instead of like, yeah, that's my brother. Let me shut up. Put my head down. Now, let's compare this to Moses's mom. This is later on in history. But to give you perspective, Moses's mom was a slave. And all of the boys at that time, they were supposed to be thrown in the Nile River to die. And what did Moses's mom do when her safety was on the line? Moses's mama, she wasn't afraid. She was a G. And the first lesson that we get from Moses's mom is don't be afraid, even when it looks all bad. She had faith in God despite the threats. Like a lot of us would be terrified in this situation. We'd be terrified to be hiding a baby and putting our life on the line. But in Hebrews 11, verse 23, it says why they did this. It says, by faith, Moses's parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So even though the number one person in charge actually had a hit out for any little baby boy, they didn't have any fear. You compare that to Abram and Sarai, and I remind you that this is earlier in history, and they went to Egypt when Egypt didn't even have this law. Egypt didn't even have this rule out, and they were just terrified just because. Now, let's jump back to looking at future mama Sarai. Because she wasn't a mama at the time. And this is in Genesis chapter 18. She laughed at God's promises. She deemed that childbirth had passed her time because she was getting up in age. She was getting old, old. And how many times do we deem certain things past our time? And we laugh. We laugh at the capability of God and almighty God. It's always been this way. And that's just how it's going to be. I've always had bad luck. You know, God just don't care about me. He always dealing me the bad hand. God is going to bless me in what way? Ha! Yeah, right. God doesn't work like that. And this is how Sarah responded in Genesis chapter 18 when three visitors came to Abram and reminded him like, hey, at this time next year, Sarah is going to be pregnant. Now, Sarah was behind them listening because she wasn't really in the conversation. And she started laughing to herself like, after I'm all worn out, the Lord is going to bless me with a child. Like, stop it. Stop it. I'm way too old for that. And she just laughed about it. Now, let's jump back to Moses's mom. Remember, I said that Moses's mom had been hiding him for three months, but it came a point in time where she's like, you know what? I have to let go and I have to let the Lord deal with this. So look at what she did. She got a basket for him. She coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in the basket. And then she put it along the reeds. That's like on the bank of the Nile. And she had her daughter go stand at a distance to kind of see like what would happen. Now, this is God's timing. You got to let go and let God show out sometime. Pharaoh's daughter, she came down to bathe in the Nile River. And while she was there, her attendants were walking along the riverbank and they saw the basket and they sent someone to go get it. And when she opened up and she saw the baby, the baby was crying and she like, oh, look at the little baby. She felt sorry. She had compassion for him. 
And then Moses's sister jumped back into the picture like, hey, Miss Pharaoh's daughter, do you need me to go find a Hebrew woman to, to nurse this baby for you? She's like, yeah, yes. Could you actually do that? That would be so sweet of you. And I'm paraphrasing. This is in Exodus chapter two. You can go read it for yourself. But what she did is the daughter did is she went and got her mother. And then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, hey, can you take this baby and nurse him for me? And I will pay you. So think about this. She let go and she let God do his thing. And then the baby comes back to her anyways. And then she gets paid to nurse her own baby. That's a miracle. That, that's God doing his thing. And how many times do we hold on to bad jobs or bad relationships? Or it might not even be bad, but we stay in a situation that God is telling us to let go of. Moses' mom, she let go of Moses and let God do his thing. And this is a whole lot different than how Sarah responded in a lot of her situations. And we're going to go back to Sarah. Sarah didn't trust God's promise of I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Sarah, even though you're getting old, 80, 90 years old, you still are going to have a child. Sarah tried to help God out with. And the thing I have to point out is we can't and shouldn't help God out with sin. And this is something that Sarah did. At this time, she was still Sarah. This is in Genesis chapter 16. She came up with the bright idea of, you know what? We haven't had any children. And, and Abram, I'm your wife and I, and I just feel so bad. So you know what you should do? You should sleep with my slave servant. And Abraham did this. And before you knew it, she got pregnant and she began to despise Sarai. And then Sarai was like, dude, she getting disrespectful. You better do something about it. I'm telling you, you better get this girl. And Abraham like, do with her whatever you think is best. So Sarai mistreated her so bad that the slave ended up running away. Even though Sarai was the one with the grandmaster plan of go sleep with my servant and have a kid. And it ended up coming to bite her in the butt. And it ended up causing problems for a number of generations. But go read about that in Genesis chapter 16. And a lot of us are like, I would never use sin to try to help God out in a situation. But we do it all the time. Like in our culture, we don't even know what sin is half the time. And we so easily justify it. It's like if our family is struggling and we happen to be able to cut some corners in our company, we justify it by saying this is a multi-million dollar company. They should be paying me more anyways. That's sinning because we're stealing. Or we pray to God, God, please bless me to find love. Bless me to find a husband. I just want somebody to love me. And then we say, oh, God put this man in my life, so I'm going to put it on him and let him know he don't ever want to leave me because I'm going to put it on him, girl, and give him a night to remember. Yes, yes, yes. It's like you sinning to try to keep that man happy and there. But yeah. Or we know, we know that God has promised us a, a great future or we just feel it. We have some great talent. We have some great skills and certain things. And then we're like, you know what, since God already planned this for me, I can get impatient and speed up the process. If you don't do something when God says to do it, that's disobedience too. And sometimes we're like, if, I, if I'm going to get this job anyways, or I'm going to get to this position regardless, it's all right if I keep it real with people and cut them down and step on them on the way to the top. Like that's just how it is. That is sinning to win. And high key is not really winning because it's always going to catch up with you. You better believe. And to make one more point about Moses' mom, so I'm transitioning back to Moses' mom. Moses' mom teaches us something 
very important. She teaches us that when she loved Moses and when she let that love, that love spread and that love tore down a barrier in her culture. Because you think about this, Pharaoh's daughter had compassion when she was supposed to reject this Hebrew boy. And that's probably one of the biggest things that we take for granted of or benefits, I should say, of seeing other cultures in the flesh. You can have compassion for them. You can empathize. You can see their joy. You can see their pain. You can see them for a human being. Now, the next mom that I want to look at on this episode of Dear Mama is, let me see if you can guess it, New Testament, famous mama. Yeah, you probably guessed it. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the first thing I want to say is like, you don't need to pray to Mary. She's special. But that's where the devil tricks us of thinking of something that's really, really good and then making it, making us want to worship it instead of worshiping God. Like Mary is not a God. We don't need her to be our mediator because her son, Jesus, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and we can go directly to God. Like we can pray to God. But that's not Mary's fault. That's people's fault who have messed things up. But when you look at Mary... One of the things that was most impressive to me is that Mary remained faithful despite what she probably endured. If you think about her life, Mary was a virgin, pledged to be married, and all of a sudden she's pregnant. And Joseph was about to divorce her. But just think about all of the rumors that she probably had to endure. People running around like, I told you she was a little fast. And I talked to Joseph and Joseph said he didn't even hit. Like, that's crazy, man. I feel sorry for Joseph, but I told you, bro, I told you. And it's like, if you've ever had a rumor that's not true spread about you, it infuriates you. It makes you so angry. But you know what can make you even more angry is when you are doing something in the name of the Lord or for the glory of his kingdom and people are spreading lies and rumors about you. And you like, man, God, please let the truth come out. Please let the truth come out quick. And God's like, nope. I'm not going to do it yet. But if you look at what Mary did in Luke chapter two is Mary focused on her support system and the people that did know the truth. And it says in Luke chapter two, verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I was like, we have to take note of this because I can guarantee I can guarantee when you are a Christian, you are going to have moments. You are going to have times. You're going to have situations that happen in your life where you're like, God, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And he's not going to give us the answer right then and there. But when you treasure him up, when you ponder, when you trust in him and you know, like God is going to work for the good of me, you might not have that aha moment until years down the road. Or sometimes when you treasure and ponder things in your heart, you can be like, man, God really has brought me a long way. And I have grown so much by trusting him. It still might not make sense to you, but you can know that you you grew. You can know that you're more mature and wiser through him. But you have to actually treasure and reflect on those moments. And for one of my last points on this episode of Dear Mama, when looking at Mary, is that in John chapter two, this might have been Mary's first time seeing Jesus perform a miracle, or maybe she was just waiting on him to do something like this because she knew He was the son of God. And the big takeaway that I want to have with this one is that Mary brought her problem to Jesus, a.k.a. God. And if you don't if you are familiar with this in John chapter two, this is Jesus first miracle recorded. 
And this is the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. And if you remember, Mary comes up to Jesus and is like, Jesus, they don't have any more wine. This is a problem. And the first thing I want to point out about this is Mary wasn't coming to Jesus as a child. She realized that her child had grew up to be a man. And sometimes we forget about that as adults, that children will grow up to be adults. They will grow up to be our peers. A child could grow up to one day end up being your boss. And that's something I remember when I build relationships with my students all the time. Like, you know, one day you could end up being my friend. One day you could end up being my peer. One day you could end up being my boss. But the big takeaway that I want you to take away from Mary is that Mary brought her problem to Jesus, a.k.a. God. Jesus didn't respond with the answer of, yes, mom, I'll do it right away. He replied like, my hour has not yet come. Now, when God tells us to wait and the hour has not yet come, we get mad. I get frustrated. Am I just in this alone? And I'm like, God, why don't you answer my prayer like now? I mean, I've waited like five minutes, but this didn't discourage Mary. This didn't make Mary say like, you know what? He must not be God because he wouldn't do that to me. Mary truly, truly teaches us how to respond. Mary says to the servant, she's like, hey, do whatever he tells you. When he tells you to do something, you know how mamas get. When, I, when, when he tells you to do something, you better do it. She went mama mode on the servant. She didn't try to go mama mode on God. And that's something we always have to remember. God is not our child. We are God's children. We forget that, though. Like We want to be in control like we are the mama or the daddy in that situation. But God knows best. And the last point that I want to leave you with, Mary is a prime example that Jesus is concerned about each and every person. Like even when Jesus was dying, he was concerned about you. He was concerned about me. He was concerned about your grandfather, your great grandfather, your future children, future five generations. He was concerned about each and every person. And we don't believe that. We don't believe that Jesus is actually concerned about us as an individual uniquely and specifically. But I say this because, and the proof is in the fact that when Jesus was dying and hanging on a cross, he saw his mother and he saw the disciple whom he loved standing there. And he said to her, woman, here is your son. This is in John chapter 19. Like Jesus is dying. He's not even worried about himself. You can see that he's always worried and concerned about someone else. And that someone else definitely includes you. Now, just looking at this and just thinking about this, moms are, are so special. Moms will wipe your face, your little nasty, crusty face. They'll wipe your butt. And hopefully it's not with the same towel. No, but seriously, it's, it's something to learn about a mother's love and the way they conduct themselves. And on this episode of Dear Mama, the mothers that we've looked at today, there are definitely things for us to take away and learn from them. And I wanna leave you with this passage from Isaiah 49 verse 15 to wrap this episode up. That passage says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And we just look at a mother's love being so special. Like a mother's not going to forget to nurse her child. And a mother automatically has compassion when she sees a, a baby come out of her womb. And she instantaneously, she loves that baby. And she's willing to die for that baby. 
And, and God is just reminding us, like, there's some things that your mom might forget. Even the best mom, even the greatest mom in the world, she might forget some stuff. But there's not a single thing that our God, Yah, forgets. He doesn't forget a single thing. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Dear Mama. Let me make sure I say Happy Mother's Day to my own mother, Beverly. And I'm going to say another Happy Mother's Day to my cousin, Corey, because I know they tune in to the podcast a lot. Appreciate you. Love you, women. And Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.